Hey there, Mike Shope, Adam Krautwurst, joined by Jared Smola of Draft Sharks tonight. I want to say something about our amazing timing as we go live at 8 Eastern, right on the heels of this shocking trade, perhaps, Devontae Adams to the Raiders. It shocked me. But pretty much the whole week or two weeks, something has happened constantly, and maybe you just could have been on in the middle of the night and there would have been some shocking development to react to. We'll take our good timing and start there, get into several different dynasty topics with Jared, as this is our new Thursday night episode each week in the deep end, deep end dynasty. Thanks for joining us. One of these weeks after that intro, Adam, our guest is just going to be gone. Like, it's not going to be Jared. He's not, he's not afraid. <laughs> but someone else is going to – the sharks are going to appear and they're just going to be, you know, empty background. Scare them away. Yeah, they'll be That's scared right. off by the amazing shark intro, but not Jared. <laughs> How are you, Jared? Doing good. Um, recovering from a, a nasty stomach bug. I've been playing catch-up all week here. Monday, Monday, I didn't get out of bed other than to get to the toilet. And then, like the, the you know the, the three the or four days since, I've just been <laughs> I've just been trying to like catch up on like getting food in my stomach and like enough water. I, I I'm like just getting my energy back today, so um, it's been a week of catch up for me with all this uh, free agency news, like you were talking about. Well, that's too bad. I mean, Adam, we do have a lot to talk about. We were on Tuesday going through some free agent moves, but um, I think none as exciting as what just happened. Yeah, I am. Absolutely thrilled. You know, nobody told us that the NFL has turned into a big dynasty league and I'm just, (laughs) it's sensational with the free agents and the pickups and the trades and the people who are signing with teams, but aren't signing with teams and the, the 40 yard times that aren't accurate that are a second off. Like, it's just, it's madness. The, I mean, when did that begin? The, the 40 yard dash times being off and the people signing with other teams and then reneging on the set. Like, I don't, I don't know what, I don't, I don't know what's going on here. It's crazy. But Jared, if this, if the NFL were a dynasty league, the, the other 31 owners or most of them would be sitting at the bar, just laughing at the Packers and trying, and they're talking about how to get them out. Because when do you do as a dynasty owner, when do you do anything like what the Packers have done the last two years? You, you, you draft that you trade up for the backup quarterback that you don't use. And you sit there with both guys, you make a couple runs, you lose both times, maddening seasons. You hope if in this particular imaginary dynasty league, there's regular season money because the Packers would win some regular season money, but then they go right out, nothing, no trophy, (laughs) no even finals appearance to show. And then, so they, they, what do they do this off season? Every other owner in the league tells them you got to, you know, rebuild or whatever, go one way or go the other. The Packers go right down the middle. They sign <laughs> Rodgers, which, okay, that's what you're going to do. Go win. It already is like a dynasty league. That's why why we pattern these leagues after real football, because the, the Packers haven't made sense. They should have done one thing or the other. And now the question tonight appears to be whether this was out of spite. I mean, could it really have been? What are they doing? It's, it's like the Packers are uh... – or a win now dynasty team, but they've been trying to force themselves into rebuilding mode for the past couple of years now, like you, you said, between the Jordan Love and the Devonta Adams moves now. Uh, uh, Ian Rapport reported that Aaron Rodgers knew this was going to go down when he signed the contract. He knew, you know, it was it was too far gone with Adams and the, there was too much friction 
between him and the Packers and that he was going to be gone. So I guess Rodgers is okay with this, which is crazy to me. That tells me Rodgers just came back for the payday. Like, you know, he, he's not going to yeah. go get his championship now, I don't think, without without Adams there. Is is there a move, guys, they can make? Like, wide receiver in free agency, it was never that good. Allen Robinson, but he's he's gone. I mean, Juju, yeah. what can, can the Packers pull something off that would have you guys thinking they're the same team? I mean, if if you go, I mean, they didn't. Zedaria Smith's gone, right? Devontae Adams is gone. All, not, not necessarily. Well, that is true. That Smith, is true. he Who was knows? supposed to sign with Baltimore. Now he isn't. Now, now he's back at back in the market. But let's just say they, they didn't catch. want Smith. I mean, all this money they could go get, like you said, they can go get Juju and 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 Will Fuller and just four or five receivers, decent ones that are the same price as as Adams, at least for a year or two. So I don't necessarily think it's over. Um, you know, o- Odell, maybe Odell comes back from, from injury. They got, would they get two, two first round picks here? Can they go get some, some, they got, some one, they, got they got, they got the Raiders first round pick this year, which is 22nd overall. And then they have 28. So you now they have two late second, to, you know, and, and we'll get into the wide receiver class, uh, later on here. But to me, it's a kind of underwhelming class at the top. Like, I don't yeah. think there, you know, there's no, obviously there's no Jamar Chase. There's nothing, you know, there, there's not a T Higgins in this class to me. Um, I think it's, you know, I don't. There's no one in this class that's going to, you know, immediately come in for the Packers. I don't think, and you know, be someone that can even come close to replicating what Adams has done for them. Yeah, I, I'm just thinking maybe there's a way that they can do uh, quantity over quality because really it's sure. been Adams and nothing else. So now, you know, uh, I mean, there's no there's no Cole Beasley in the first round of this NFL draft. You know what I mean? You just go, <laughs> you just go buy him for for two million dollars, right. and you got yourself a slot receiver. So. Um, so yeah, no, I, I think there is a way when you've got Aaron Rodgers, there's a way that you can, you can, maybe they get some donkey to, to take, uh, you know, Aaron Jones off their hands for a stud receiver or something. Who knows? <laughs> Will Fuller is a little bit interesting. Adams is so good at pretty much everything. There's no comp yeah. to him as far as yeah. I know, but Fuller is a big play player. If he's able to stay healthy two years ago, he did. And last year was such a mystery again with him. But he's he's somebody. There, there might be a trade they can work out. I mean, they should be think <laughs> another dynasty parallel. I mean, they they should be thinking about winning a championship. Right. But I mean, they must have been convinced, I guess, that Adams was just not going to play, and what they were not going to do the long term contract for him and Rogers. So very strange. Well, in terms of dynasty, you guys, Jared. So Adams was what. And immediate reaction is what now? He takes a hit. I mean, he, he has the chemistry with Derek Carr, which is nice. And they played together in college, obviously. Um, I, I think, you know, Carr's capable. You know, he's two steps, three steps below Aaron Rodgers, but he's a capable quarterback. I think most importantly, though, despite Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller being in Vegas, I think Adams is going to come in there and dominate targets um, to, you know, close to the extent that he did in green Bay. And you know, that's what we care about most. He's going to get the volume. The efficiency probably drops off a little bit. Um, but to me, he, he takes a hit, but not a huge hit. Like he, you know, for 2022, he's still going to be inside the top 10 wide receivers. I believe I haven't updated projections yet. Um, you know, he was two in our rankings. I think, you know, he, he drops, you know, six, seven, eight spots now, probably two in dynasty two in, sorry, Adam, two in dynasty. He was two in redraft redraft uh, a few spots lower in our dynasty rankings. Yep. Okay. Sorry, Adam, Jared, if you could do those rank, if you could do that right now, live on the pod, show <laughs> us all how you work through that. That, that. that would be great. Um, But yeah, no, I agree. I just recently, 
made a trade on the FFPC dynasty. I had, um, I traded a, a second next year in George Kittle. So it's tight end premium, a second in 2023 in George Kittle for Devontae Adams and a third next year. And I did that about a month ago. So, and I had Aaron Rodgers, the super flex had Aaron Rodgers, or I have Aaron Rodgers, and I was loving that that stack, but that stack has gone now. So I I I still like the thought of having uh, Devonte Adams over Kittle because I think you're right. I think he's going to get a million targets. But I mean, Waller's really good, and Hunter Renfro's really good, and he has a rapport with Derek Carr. And I'm not saying Adams isn't going to get his, but yeah, yeah, wide receiver <laughs> one, wide receiver two. Is might be a little bit high. He might fall to three or four for me. But and Derek Carr isn't, you know, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. You guys, you guys like playing this game on your show, I think. So let's let's play it. Like, for, so for Dynasty, would you rather have Devontae Adams or Steph Diggs? Adams. You know what? I'll tell you why. Because yeah, just a couple of quick thoughts. He did get the contract. I mean, he is going to be theirs for two or three years. He's twenty nine. So I don't think that's so bad. It's it's on the cusp a little bit. And can every game in that division be 50 to 49? I mean, for a couple of years with the quarterbacks and the way those teams have loaded up. I mean, I know they all have edge rushers too, but I, I kind of like the, the, the smell of the Raider passing attack with Adams there right now. A- Adams was also this beautiful, from the two-yard line, he was almost like a goal line back in addition to being yeah. wide receiver one. And so I don't know if Carr can deliver on that, but as much as I like Diggs, I think I would go Adams there. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go. We're gonna do a first take here, right? This is where I pick the other guy just just because. Uh, I'm gonna go Diggs because he's attached to Josh Allen, and his main competition is, you know, OJ Howard, you know, Gabe, Gabe Davis. <laughs> like that's his that's his main competition for the, now. That could change the first round. That could change in a week if they go get. Will Fuller or something, but you know, and I think Diggs is a little bit younger than Adams. Yeah, he is. He is. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I think I would I would lean Diggs here. Give me a give year. me another one, Jerry. Give me another one. A year younger. Uh, so I'm 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 working down our dynasty rankings now. So so we had Adams at five before this move, um, and I think he's gonna. You know, we have Diggs at ten. I think that's kind of where he's gonna settle. At eleven, we have DK Metcalf. I don't know who you guys Ooh. rather have there. That's that's tough because it's a young guy. You know, you got you're saving six seven years with Metcalf. But who do you guys like? Uh, Adams versus Metcalf. Metcalf for me. Same, yeah, same, just, same here. Same here. You, you, you know he's great. And, I mean, they could have Matt Ryan by the end of the night for this sure. year and maybe yeah. get some volume out of him this year. If Seattle blows it up and he gets traded, that's not so bad. That's what is that, a five-year difference? So Yeah, I mean, I and, and, and those comparisons to me always come down to where your team is at. Like, if you're, right. if you're a dynasty team in win-now mode, I'd rather have Adams. But if I'm – a middling team, or definitely if I'm a rebuilding team, I, I take Metcalf there. I could see because on that point, I mean, that's the name of the game in Dynasty, right? So, uh, Adams for a pick upper middle first round this year is, I mean, so it's like the next step from Metcalf, who's whatever he is 24 and proven, but yeah. questions about his offense. The next step from there is do you have like the fifth pick of the draft? And that might be one of these receivers we'll talk about. It definitely would be if you wanted it to be. You know, if, you, if you're not that good this year, maybe you do that. But I've been guilty of dumping too early on teams that look maybe okay, just not great. And you get caught if, like, Travis Kelsey is an example. If Travis Kelsey, three years ago, I think I probably – that's when I got to know you guys and was saying, like, okay, I'm, I'm out on Travis Kelsey. And 
tight end one, tight end one, tight end two, barely the last three years. That happens too sometimes. So it can seem smart, but you know, it doesn't have to, they don't have to fall right off the, off the cliff. Yeah. And just, dynasty owners, disc, dynasty owners discount older players and trade talks. Like, you know, you're, you're not going to get as much for Kelsey as you think you are even two years ago. Cause he was, you know, 29 years old. People start to get worried about the age. So their, their, their value in trades just, just gets lower as they get into their later twenties. Yeah. I, I completely agree there. Um, I just want four teams from the AFC West to make the playoffs. That's, that's, that's what I want. Give me, give, give me that. That'll be impossible, but that's insane. Probably, I yeah. love the arms race going on there right now. I love, I love it. I love everything about the NFL right now. Unfortunately, unfortunately I get updates on my phone all day long and I look and half of them are baseball and I want to just like, where do I mute this crap? <laughs> if I didn't know baseball was in free agency right now, I would have muted it weeks ago. But, uh, you know, who knows? Sensitive subject. <laughs> Listen, that four team in one division idea is not completely out of the realm. You have right. one extra regular season game outside the division. So it's six division games to 11 now, just a little bit more than one third of the games. And if you have like if Buffalo dominates, if whatever, whichever teams in the other divisions sort of yeah. run away with it. And those other Western teams, they all beat each other up and sweep the rest of the conference and beat the NFC. You could see it. You could see four teams with winning records there and then the three division winners all waltzing to the playoffs. It just uh, – every one of those ma- – especially tonight, got even better tonight with Adams. Like every one of those matchups is good. Yeah. And some, those are the, some of the best uniforms in the league too. So those games are already <laughs> watchable no matter who's on the team. They should all be primetime games. Every AFC West game – this coming season should be a primetime game. I can't stay up anymore, or otherwise I would uh, <laughs> I would endorse that. <laughs> so, Devontae Adams to the Raiders. Um, you, you mentioned just one more thing on this, just to, while I'm thinking of it. You mentioned the other skill guys on the Raiders, Waller, Renfro, even Edwards. Isn't Renfro the big loser here? I think, I I think so. Yeah, um, you know we had we had him we had him in the mid twenties in our rankings for twenty twenty before this trade, um, just because you know he had been getting those big target shares. He does have the c- connection with um, Derek Carr, but yeah, I, I think I think Waller is more likely to maintain something close to his previous target share than Hunter Renfro is. Yeah, he probably is too. I just I feel like these slot receivers once they become, you know elite slot guys. And I think Hunter Ever is an elite slot receiver. I feel like that rapport with the quarterback, man, the quarterback loves having that, you know, even in a situation, I think, I think what you're probably going to see is a situation like t- t- Tyler Boyd, where that, you know, Boyd's a stud slot guy and then they get Higgins and then they get chase and Boyd's yeah. still okay. But for fantasy, he's not able to produce um, c- consistently. So I think you're going to yeah. get a situation like, like that, but who knows, maybe they turn around and trade him. You know, this it's, it's it's been a wild off season. Every time we say something, it, it changes. But if it stays the same, yeah, Renos Renfro is probably uh, taking an L there. I think the two Raiders I want now are Adams and Brandon Bolden. After uh, <laughs> the last twenty four hours, not really. Yeah. I I like Jacobs too, guys. I liked him in these yes. early drafts. I mean, I, th- I think he was sort of a classic player whose results were better than his reputation. Uh, and there was no real change there with the offense, except maybe better coaching 
So I thought he was in a good spot. Maybe he still is. If the offense is better overall, then he should be in a good spot. But Adams is so good and tight that that could be bad for Jacobs. Well, from Devontae Adams being traded, which we did not see coming, (laughs) did you, uh, half an hour ago, to why we wanted wanted to focus on tonight when inviting Jared was rookies, and in particular rookie wide receivers, which you spent a good amount of time studying – and sort of ranking them. And just to get us started here, Jared, to me, there are at least five receivers that I probably have seen ranked first by somebody. That's more before the combine than after. How do you see it? And did the combine really clarify much? Yeah. See, that's, that's the thing. I think there's, there's no like flawless prospect in this year's class. They all, you know, have some warts and I think, you know, that's why you can make a case for, yeah, maybe, at least four, maybe five guys as the number one receiver in the class. Um, combine didn't change much for me at receiver. Um, you know, there's been a lot of studies done by smart people that show there's really not much correlation between measurables and success at wide receiver. It's, you know, the, the measurable stuff is more important at running back and tight end, especially. Um, but at wide receiver, we care more about college production, you know, mostly college production and measurables don't really change much. So um, no big changes to me based on what we saw at the combine. So Traylon Burke's first name up here, would he be your number one? No, he's my number three right now. Um, and, you know, still going through the process right now, but I have Drake London and Garrett Wilson ahead of Traylon Burks. Um, I didn't, I have concerns about Burke's ability to separate and I sort of have like PTSD with this. Cause I loved JJ Ortega Whiteside and, you know, his, his, the knock against him coming out was, you know, he doesn't separate. He does too much contested stuff. That's, you know, at least partly what's killed him at the NFL level. So that's my only concern with Burks is, you know, a lot of his production at Arkansas came after the catch. He's awesome after the catch. And he's a, he's a big dude. He's, you know, 225 pounds. So I think that's going to translate to the next level. He's good going downfield. He can do the contested stuff downfield, but just in the shorter and immediate ranges, I don't see him separating quite enough to, you know, be someone that I'm going to, you know, put as my number one wide receiver in the class. Yeah, I really like Traylon Burks, but I totally get that that point there. And you know, he he's a he's a nice run after after the catch guy. He's got to get that separation though. And I think again with with a guy like him, if he can get a quarterback that can throw with anticipation and put right. it right on the numbers, I think that could certainly help him. So, man, where these guys get drafted, it plays such such a vital part in in at least in their early success. It's interesting how Traylon Burks gets compared with Debo Samuel and not J.J. Ortega Whiteside <laughs> after the combine. The combine, the comps are always so flattering. Yeah. What do you think of that? I mean, you you are immersed in it. Do the comps tend to make you laugh, or do they work? I mean, do you want to fight against it? What's your general disposition when it comes to those comparisons? Yeah, they're they're always optimistic, and that's because I just think when you're trying to come up with a comp in your head, you're you know you start at the top of the list of wide receivers. So you know who's the first big good after the catch wide receiver it's you know Debo Samuel or it's AJ Brown so that's kind of who gets comped to Traylon Burks um I don't you know I, I don't think he's nearly that good of a prospect I get in terms of size and, and play style I see I see some AJ Brown um but again I think you know Brown is you know a, a few tiers above Traylon Burks is which of these guys becomes the first receiver drafted almost impossible to predict I mean is that really a function of NFL teams and their preferences and their depth chart, who they want that's maybe different from what they have? I think so. And there's definitely 
different flavors with these guys. Like, so Traylon Burks and Drake London are the, you know, big prototypical outside wide receivers. London is similar to, to Traylon Burks. I like him better because I do think he separates better on some of the, the shorter stuff. Um, and I think his production profile is a bit stronger too. Um, and then, but then Garrett Wilson is the, you know, the, the biggest concern for me with Wilson is size. You know, he's only like 183 pounds, um, but he's definitely that, you know, smaller, shiftier wide receiver. So I think it comes down to what the team is looking for. That's probably going to determine. And I, I think it's going to be one of those three guys. It's going to be Burks, London, or Wilson as the first guy off the board. So is there a, a certain type, body type, I mean, whatever the, the overall package looks like that you find to be sort of the most reliable, either from an NFL standpoint or a fantasy standpoint? I mean, do we want the guy who can separate and, you know, okay. blow past the defense more than we want the bigger sort of different types? I mean, it seems just on the surface there are so many examples of each that I'm not right. sure one is really better than the other. How do you decide that? Yeah, I think ideally you want a, a big wide receiver who separates, right? <laughs> That's, ah, that, that'd point. be ideal. Yes. Um, <laughs> I I tend to be more attracted to, to the bigger wideouts. And again, that can get me in trouble with guys like Ortega Whiteside. Um, but if you just look at the top of the fantasy rankings every year, to me, it, it's, it's a lot of bigger wide receivers. You know, they tend to score more touchdowns and they're, they're, there's numbers to back that up too. You know, there's a correlation between weight and touchdown scoring at wide receiver. So that's what I'm attracted to. But you know, it, it's, it's, size is just one part of the equation. Um, you know, landing spot is huge and team fit and, you know, targets available is, is so massive. Um, so it, it's just one piece, but I do tend to lean towards the bigger guy all else equal. Yeah. I think when you got a bigger guy that helps with, you know, the quarterback, that's more of the pocket passer that, or, or the guy that's more the, I don't mean the bigger guy, the, the more kind of old school receiver that's big body. Like you said, big body runs, good routes, gets open because it helps when you have a quarterback that's a pocket passer that wants to throw on time. When you get these smaller guys like the, you know, I always go back to like Antonio Brown where the guy, he ended up becoming a great route runner, but early on when he was still doing really well, big Ben was buying time and buying time and finding him. And, and I think um, those smaller receivers, like you said, the Chris Olave's Garrett Wilson's those guys, you know, can get open on like a scramble drill or whatever, and they can make huge plays in, in, in fantasy and huge plays for the NFL teams, but they aren't necessarily like the old school, like I'm going to beat you with my route running. I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to hope my quarterback can buy time and then I'm going to get open and get loose. So I think there's different, there's different styles of receiver. And I think that's why these smaller receivers have been so successful recently is because there's so many quarterbacks now that can buy time with their, with their legs. And, um, and I think that's really helped them to be able to succeed on the, on the next level. I think, and with the officiating now too, just, you know, allowing no contact in the secondary, like that's helped the smaller guys too. You know, they don't have to deal with the physical coverage as much as they had to 10 years ago. So we've talked about Burks and London. How about the two Ohio state players, uh, Wilson and Olave Wilson might be higher up. You've said that on your rankings. That's the case on your rankings as well. Is it tricky when they're on the same team? It is. And you know, they're, Production this past season was pretty similar. And Wilson outproduced Olave by a tad. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba outproduced both guys. He's a sophomore. Yeah. He's going to be in next year's draft class. He, he, to me, is very likely the top wide receiver in next year's class. I haven't, you know, dug into the whole class yet, obviously. But, um, you know, Wilson gets the edge over Olave to me because he, you know, he did what he did last year as a junior. Olave was a senior. Olave is an interesting case. To me, if he had come out last year and a lot of people thought he was going to, he would have looked 
a lot better as a prospect. He actually took a step back this past season in terms of you know, raw production, in terms of all the efficiency stuff, yards per route run, PFF grade, all that took a step back this past year as a senior. So that's kind of my hang up with Olave. Like, you know, what happened last year? Um, but Wilson has a you know pretty nice production profile. Had a big junior season uh, alongside you know two other future NFLers, which you always like to see. Look at Ohio State with those two guys. The other one you mentioned and Jamison Williams for a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Williams could not get on the field, you know, behind Olave and Wilson and you know a couple other guys. You know, KJ Hill was playing ahead of him for a while. But yeah, that that's uh, impressive that Williams couldn't even get on the field at Ohio State. Uh, Robert Zima asked, do you guys take into account league trends? I'm, I'm thinking NFL league trends over the past two years to project ahead in dynasty. And I think that's kind of what we're talking about here. Like it's, it's, you know, the NFL is changing. It's going five wide. It's got more athletic quarterbacks. And I think these smaller receivers can succeed. Yeah. And I think, I, mean, I don't know about projections, Jared, that's your world, but like, how do you, how do you factor that in when you're doing projections? Well, when I, when I sit down to do my, redraft projections every you know february it is now i I start by spending a few days just looking at league-wide trends like lead-wide passing rates you know situation neutral passing rates personnel usage you know how often teams have three wideouts on the field versus two tight ends um so i start there uh, target shares by position you know like the average team throws 60 percent of their passes to wide receivers and how that changes throughout time um so i i I start there and that kind of sets me help helps me set baselines when I go in and start projecting all these teams, like, you know, everyone's going to kind of eventually regress to these league wide uh, baseline numbers. So I, I definitely take that into account when doing redraft projections and those redraft projections fuel our dynasty projections. So yeah, it's, it's definitely part of the process for me. The overall trend in the league has to be toward more, more, more receivers, passing formations, coaches getting younger, seeing through the, or looking at the data, passing games worth more, the value winning teams, not just the the simpler got to have a great quarterback to win, but just like what the Rams are and what the Chiefs have been and what the Bills are now. I mean, the Bills of all teams, they were the last team that was going to come come around, but then they did and overnight. They were, a you know, they were dynamite. Is Pete Carroll still coaching is a question, obviously, <laughs> that you want to be asking when you're setting down to do all these rankings. And it turns out, yes, is the answer to that. I'm thinking they might go with one wide receiver formations uh, this year, base personnel, but it's, it's early. You just feel like he's trying to make a point. So the big four receivers, I mentioned Williams. I know we're only going to talk about those four guys too specifically, but there are more names. Uh, George Pickens is another one. I mean, you have at least four more that people like that could be, well, probably second round picks at best or late first in dynasty in uh, rookie drafts. Yeah, I think the sixth guy that could sneak into the first round of the NFL draft is Jahan Dotson out of Penn State. Uh, he's another smaller guy. You know, he's more in the Garrett Wilson mold as a player. Um, and that uh, Sky Moore is the Sky Moore is the <laughs> analytics darling. You know, he has the huge target uh, market shares and all that stuff that we like to see. Um, haven't watched him yet, so uh, don't want to speak highly or or negatively on him at this point. Analytics darling, Adam, cross him <laughs> off his list. He's out. Adam's He's not out. here for guys who are like basically really good. And that's right. Prove it. He just, that's that's you know, right. It's more he, doesn't like guys that, he doesn't like guys that put up numbers, which score us fantasy no, points. No, no, he tries to stay away from those guys. <laughs> All right. So the NFL draft is still a little bit more than a month away before we let you go, Jared. So you've got these rookie picks and there's so much happening that dynasty players, I mean, this is why we play. So you can be, 
working on your rosters year round and trying to make deals and trying to build a winner. What do you do right now? I mean, last week I had this one train of thought that I'm not even sure I was able to articulate very well, but <laughs> in the, I'll try again. I'll try to keep this short. It, it's logical sense that after the draft, you feel like you have clarity as to how the guy should be ranked. Take Edwards Hilaire a couple of years ago. Okay. He's our number one. You look back on that and you know, you'd rather pick someone else. I think if you could do that over, just feels to me if you have that clarity post draft and you might want to, you know, sort of move up to get guys because now you know they're going to be on the right offense, so called right offense, then before the draft, maybe is a time to go in the other direction and try to somehow take advantage of the uncertainty. So, again, I don't think I explained it very well, which might simply mean that it's not a good take. Uh, what <laughs> no, I what get is it. the I get right it. approach to now? Yeah, I, I know. I understand what you're saying completely. And I, I think. In my experience, and I'm sure it differs by league and by owner, obviously, which is always what's so interesting about Dynasty. There's so many different ways to play, and each league is so different that there's definitely no hard and fast rule to any of this stuff. But in, in my experience, rookie picks grow in value and then are at their most valuable right after the NFL draft, right? When we have certainty on these guys, people have their rankings, whether they do them themselves or get them from elsewhere. And they can really see, you know, okay, if I'm trading for the 105, it's probably going to be Garrett Wilson or, you know, it's going to be Chris Olave, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think if you are trying to acquire rookie picks, now is the time to do it because, you know, people aren't as familiar with the class yet and they don't know where these guys are going to be playing. Um, if you're looking to ship them away, I would try to wait until, you know, right after the NFL draft, really anytime between the NFL draft and the start of your rookie drafts, I think is, is the best time to be trading away rookie picks. I like yeah. it. And with one quarterback leagues, there'll be lots of skill guys, at least receivers picked in the first round. We're going to have visions of how they're going to fit in on teams. So um, yeah. And this year, Adam, also you and I have talked about this. I think it seems like everybody has agreed next year's draft is better. So you see, I saw one today where a player traded their 107 in this draft for a first next year. And usually, I mean, you would go around up, right? You trade a second this year for a first next year, but people seem so convinced that next year's draft is a lot better and a lot deeper that you're seeing, I'm seeing trades like that happen now. So I don't know, is that overreacting to that news? Everything is some sort of judgment on how you feel, which way the wind is blowing. And then what do I want to do, do about it? Yeah. I feel like that, was the sentiment, you know, a couple months ago, right? Uh, that this this year's draft isn't going to be as good as next year's draft. And then I think, you know, every running back ran a four three five, and every receiver <laughs> ran a four, you know, three two. And all of a sudden, I think people are starting to come around to the fact that these um, that some of these players are are probably pretty pretty good. And then I, you know, I I just don't like. I don't want to be a hypocrite and say, oh, next year. Like, I, I don't watch a ton of college football, and I couldn't tell you a player that's even going to be drafted ne next year. So, I, you know, I like to, like, kind of see it with my own eyes first before I judge the talent coming out next year because I couldn't tell you a running back or receiver that, that that's going to come out next year. So, um, but, you know, the sentiment is that next year is going to be better. And, uh, and yeah, so, I mean – if you're a if you're a big draft guy and you've already and you're already locked into stuff like that, the, probably the, the best dynasty players probably are. are. I mean, some of them play Devi where they're drafting, you know, kids in fifth grade uh, that are <laughs> that, that are going to play play on their team. So it's like, 
um, that's where you can get a big advantage. And, and you, if you really studied the future draft classes and, and stuff like that. And, um, but yeah, I think that, I think people are kind of coming around to this year's draft T- to me. What's interesting is where are the players going to land? Like I have this, I have a dynasty league where I have the second rookie pick and I really want Brees Hall. And if Brees Hall doesn't, if Brees Hall goes at one, one, which he probably will, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I hope another running back or another receiver lands in a really good spot. Or to me, that Brees Hall pick is head and shoulders better than the 102. So maybe now is the time for me to go attack uh, and try to get that 101. I I swear every year it's next year's class is better than this year's class. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I hear that I hear that every year. And maybe it's right this year because, again, I, I do think this year is relatively weak. Um, but I, I just, I, I think people overrate that. Plus there's the opportunity cost of having to wait a whole another year just to draft a guy right. that, you know, you still don't know how good he's going to be. So I, I, I'd rather, in most cases, I'd rather just keep the current year's pick unless I'm getting, you know, a big upgrade. Like, like Mike said, at least a full round. If I'm trading a second this year for a first next year, that, that's something I'd be interested in, but I'm, I'm not going to trade a first for a first next year. Well, quarterbacks are a part of that judgment too. I mean, that's where it starts. Running backs this year are supposed to be like that. We're supposed to be weaker. But quarterback, last year you had the first three picks and whatever it was, five or six go in the first round. Yeah. And what what do you think about drafting quarterbacks in that first round of the rookie draft with, without it being super flex? So you only start one, you've got a 12-team league. It, it's not something I've been wanting to do, yeah. but as, as I look at a dynasty league I'm in, and this is going into year five, Boy, there has been so there's been so much turnover. Think of all the different places we've been in with Carson Wentz in those four <laughs> years. You know, you think, oh, I'm all set. He, he's like he wasn't Allen, but he was Jackson or somebody four years ago. Like oh, I don't have to worry about quarter golf too, and he's on the perfect team. You know, whoops, they're both that's they played for five teams combined already. Those two yeah. guys, and maybe are both shot. So it changes pretty hard. Do I want to be? You know, is it when I have an extra pick where I might use one on Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett, or does it depend on the guy? Like, do you have a philosophy when it comes to this? For me, in in one quarterback dynasty leagues, I'm only interested in quarterbacks that I think have like top five upside, and so so that that probably means they have to be able to run the ball. Because um, to me, like, I I don't want to draft like Matt Ryan, and like he's had an awesome career, but he's you know, he's like quarterback twelve every year in fantasy. Like I, I can trade for that cheaply in dynasty. I can find that off the waiver wire in some dynasty leagues. So I'm only going to take quarterbacks that I think have like, you know, league winning upside. I do think Willis has the upside to do that. Yeah. I think he also has a super low floor. Um, and maybe he sneaks into the, the end of the first round of these dynasty rookie drafts because, because of their rushing ability. Um, but yeah, in, in general, I'm not looking for, you know, the safe, 10, 15 year starters at quarterback. I, I want the guys that are going to you know, help me win at the position. Right. Yeah. Same, same here. Unless it's super flex, I'm not really looking to really ever take a quarterback. Like, unless it's maybe like a, you know, an Andrew Luck where it's a can't miss, you know, everyone, you know, saying he's a generational type guy. Um, yeah. I, I'd rather just like Jared said, I'd rather trade for, for somebody um, and, uh, and just go, go from there. That's a little bit of what Lawrence was. Yeah. Lawrence was able to run, and he still is. But yeah. man, the guy who seemed like such a sure thing, and now um, still questions. But I'm I'm generally positive on him. I feel yes. like you, you want to trust. Are you? Yeah, I'm. I'm big in on Lawrence this season. Um, I'm just going to blame Urban Meyer. 
Um, like every year of Lawrence's career was a success until last year. Um, they're putting pieces in place around them. You can argue, you know, how much they're spending and how good the pieces are, but at least they're, they're adding weapons for him. Um, like you said, Mike, he, he can run and he did it last year. He ran for like 300 yards last year. I think that's kind of what he's going to give you, um, you know, for the next 10 years or so. So I'm definitely big on Lawrence. Not sure how cheaply you could buy him in dynasty, but you know, it's probably worth sending out an offer. Is there one skill piece on that team you like the most? I mean, ETN, I've been drafting a lot of him. Yeah, I don't want to I, – I told myself I was done with Evan Ingram, but I'm probably back <laughs> in on Evan Ingram. Um, you look at Doug Peterson's history with tight ends. He, throughout his coaching career, has targeted tight ends at way above league average rate. Um, and, man, Evan Ingram, he – first-round pick, one of the better rookie seasons we've ever seen from a tight end. Um, and then just sort of, you know, he's had the injuries – and then he had Jason Garrett to deal with, and Garrett just totally misused him the past couple of years. Um, he's still like 27, 28 years old. Um, he's on a one-year deal, so he's got plenty of motivation. Uh, well, I'm curious to see how high he climbs in ADP, um, but I, I'm, I'm going to be in on Ingram for one more year and probably get burnt again. But I, I got, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of pot committed at this point. I gotta, I gotta give it one more shot. No, I don't think you're getting burned on Ingram. I think you're right. Coaching has a ton to do with it. You know, like you said, Peterson's used the tight end. Uh, significantly in his, in his, in his recent history. So, you know, they went out and they, they got Evan Ingram and, and, um, and so, yeah, I mean, the coaching in the giants was just terrible. Didn't use him properly. If he's, he's motivated, he's, uh, he's still young to 27. Like he's, he's a freak athlete at the position. I would just like to see them kind of tighten up the, the, you know, the amount of guys are going to be throwing to that's that, yeah. that's the problem to me is they've got, you know, if Visca's still there, you know, you got two running backs there that can that can catch. It's it's and all the receivers that they just brought in. It's it's going to be tough. I'm trying to, I'm just sitting here thinking, which one do I want on Green Bay? <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's right. If Green Bay comes around and does like sort of an optimal thing, they're going through depth charts tonight. Like, Visca, send send. I think I think I think Visca's basically done in Jacksonville. I mean, I think to me, Christian Kirk is a slot receiver, and that's where he's been. Yes, his, his most effective in the NFL. Um, if that's the case, you know, I think it's going to be Marvin Jones and Zay Jones on the outside and then Christian Kirk in the slot. And I, I think they're, they might be done with Visco. So he, he might be available to trade for. Yeah. I, I think there are a hundred ideas that are interesting. He definitely could be available. He should be available with what they've done. Can I get Paris Campbell on the Packers? I can do that <laughs> very, very easily. I'm sure <laughs> easily. Maybe the Colts GM was, was sour on him. He hasn't been able to play. So can I trust yeah. him or words to that effect? Ooh, that would be. You know, that one guy in fantasy this year that everybody was done with, and then suddenly, pow, he gets a different spot. And, oh, yeah, we were high on him all along, but we just forgot about him or something. I'd love to see that. All right. Well, you're busy ranking things, so I want, I want to ask you to rank your top 100 receivers based on their viability of a trade to the Packers tonight. <laughs> I know you're busy. Get to work just, on that for you. Yes, you're just starting to feel better, so we don't want to overwork you. And, and you took the time out to join us tonight. So thank you, Jared. Nice to see you. Oh, it was great. This is kind of like my second home as a podcast. So good, good to be back on. Home away from home. The, the deep so, end is your second. <laughs> second home. <laughs> You're welcome anytime. Thanks again. Thanks, guys. All right, see you guys.